0: The significance of build and destroy is um, within a, your own cipher, you know, your own life cycle, you have to add on and you have to subtract. Basics. So when, you know, someone is going to school or, you know, they're studying to obtain a degree or a trade, they're actually building on to their cipher. They're building on in a positive and a constructive manner to help them, you know, just flourish and progress in life and to destroy is to take away things that don't serve you no purpose you know there's nothing positive in it for you you don't get nothing out of it some things are just toxic so build and destroy is about building on the positive aspects in your life and destroying is taking away the toxic things out of your life the things that serve you no purpose or things that are detrimental to you but you still find yourself involved you know like engaging in it you know so being able to have that knowledge of self to know when to build and when to destroy so building is like right now we're having a conversation we're building you ask me a question i give you an answer to the best of my knowledge to the best of my ability you might learn something from it so you take from that you know, so you're building. We're building together, you know. Now, there might be some things that we might have to discuss that's destroying something in our, within our cipher, you know. So build and destroy is is, is is an important component of life, you know. Every day you build and destroy. It sounds like a whole big grand scheme, but it's, it's more simple than what you think. You build upon anything when it comes to knowledge or just information and you could destroy anything you know you could take the garbage in your house and set it on fire and destroy it so you know you want to build upon the positive and you want to destroy the negatives around that time i think um my grandfather had just came back from um the korean war you know regular household family monetary issues the working market wasn't as good, and I don't think at the time my grandfather was employed or you know, where he was bringing in uh, a decent leaving, living wage to take care of the family. So, my grandmother, I guess, had to go down to social services downtown. And um, my grandfather, I guess, went with her. And my uncle, which is the youngest out of their children, my uncle Perry, when they went to the um, social services, there was a conversation between one of the social workers and my grandmother and I don't know what was said my grandmother didn't tell me exactly what was said but it was something in a disrespectful tone and my grandfather was like you know he he wouldn't let another man disrespect another woman period so whatever was said my grandfather got upset and he hit the dude I don't know if the dude backed up or he tried to get away, but I know, I think my grandfather, like, got him. Like, he had him. And my Uncle Perry bit him in the leg. So, it was like, you know, it, it, he he was going through something at that time. So, um, I think the guy must have called the police. They actually arrested my grandfather, my grandmother, and they had my, my uncle. But he was, like, a, a little boy at the time. He might have been, like, shit, he probably had to be about, like, four or five. He was little. He was a little baby. So um, my grandfather had to go back to court for the assault. While he was in court, you know, um, you know how they they call your docket number and they call you by your your government name. So I guess my grandfather was telling the judge then that his name was a law. He wasn't going by the slave name that they gave him. You know, he was like, on paper, I'm Clarence Smith, but I'm a law. You can address me as a law. So I guess the judge at the time must have been, you know, a Caucasian judge, downtown Manhattan, thought my grandfather was out of his goddamn mind, that he was calling himself God, himself, Allah. So he sent them to Matawan for a year. They locked them up in the nut house. Then when he started converting the crazy people in the nut house, I guess they figured they had to get his ass out of there, too, because they was running around calling they self God now. He converted maybe about, I think he converted about five to ten people in Matawan to the 5% Nation. They became 5%ers. So if you could go in a nut house and civilize and teach, you know, then I don't know. Maybe it's a method to his madness, you know. When he was there, he might have, I think he used to call my grandmother like every week or so, whatever, whatever. But my grandmother said he always let her know that he was fine, you know, and that. He was in there still teaching, still being a law, you know, and she was she was good with that, you know. She just wanted him to come home, you know, but at the same time, you know, she ain't got no power over a judge's decision. So, you know, he just had to wait until they released him and eventually he did come home. They let him go. He made friends and contacts, but a lot of these people, you know, when they left out of that hospital went on to live their normal lives and I wasn't even born around this time, so them type of people, I wouldn't even know who they are. Like, I don't, you know. But I'm some, I'm sure he made friends and had contacts. Like, that was the type of person he was. He could make friends with, you know, a person that didn't speak at all. He just had one of them personalities where, you know, people gravitated towards him. My grandfather kept managing the National Guards on Earth while he was away at Matawan. He just passed off the duties to another guard the guards would go visit him. You had the guards that was at the school, you know, the older guards that was right under him. They would go up there and visit him, and he would tell them then, you know, like, all right, do this or do that, or, you know, hold a rally or, you know, so. Pretty much the duties just got passed on to whichever older guard at the time that was in the school. It was like, um, it was self-contained, you know. He wasn't there at the time, but, you know, the school still ran as is. There wasn't no real discrepancy in that, you know. He was just away, you know. It was like, all right, the father's in the hospital. He'll be back. The nation still ran, you know. They were still out teaching and doing what they were supposed to do as civilized men. The 5% nation is not a religion because a 5 percenter or a member of the nation of gods and earths doesn't rely on the mystery God. They rely on self, self Lord and Master. So the traditional concepts of religion are questioned and tested to the fullest of its extent. You know, everything in, in life and existence is to be studied, examined, questioned. We talking about um, religions that are copies of other religions or pretty much offshoots of other religions. So. I think the gods deal with the factual side, more so than the faith side. So no, they're not a religion. It's a way of life. It's more of a culture and a meeting of the minds and finding that higher and inner self. The terminology of um, mathematics and factual statements, you know, when someone is uh, at a, a level of intelligence, they uh, um, earn degrees or they earn paperwork that say that they are uh, a master, you know, you have a master's degree, which means that you can do this work, you know this work, you worked for years to earn this degree in this field. So the gods and earths like to deal with a lot of math and science, cause math is the basics of existence. Everything in life, it, it, there's a, 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 numer- a numeric balance to it. There's numbers in everything. So, you know, without math, we will be timeless and, like, spaceless in, in, in that sense. So, facts are the truth. Sometimes in the society we live in right now, in this current day, truths get twisted. So, you know, we notice that people could spin things or, you know, the perception of the truth could be distorted or made a certain way. The guards want to deal with the actual facts and the truth, you know, freedom, justice, and equality. I will have to be truthful and give you my word like I will want you to give me your word and be truthful. So that's what the gods deal with because a lot of times the 10%, you know, the bloodsuckers of the poor—they know this, you know. They know how to talk sideways. They know how to, you know, manipulate people and bargain. So the guards like to be on a truthful square. They like to be upfront and honest at all times, at the utmost, because that's the highest quality or the highest form of a person when a person is truthful and honest and whole. The use of mathematics in your daily life, yeah, you're supposed to live your mathematics, you know. So, you know, the supreme mathematics and supreme alphabet are like, um, the what, what's the um thing in the back of the composition notebook where the scales is at? These, these things help you guide and navigate, you know, and evaluate the things and the situations that you encompass during your life or your lifetime. So if we see each other and I say, you know, hey, peace, Sarah, you know, how do you see today's mathematics? You know, and you say, oh, well, peace, I see today's mathematics. Like, you know, it's no right or wrong how you see your mathematics because it's your mathematics. It's your truth. You know, you use the intelligence that you have to see the picture clearly. You know, you, de- you got to decipher it for yourself. And we could build on it, you know, we could share our knowledge of whatever the topic is or what we're building on that day, whether it's the math or it's the lessons. The Supreme Alphabet is similar to like the military code or, you know, how they use the alphabet in the military. It has the same use as far as um, description, as far as um, acronyms, you know, if I want to talk about something and I want to be real quick or real brief. I could use the alphabet and say a series of you know words from the alphabet, and you will understand what I'm saying faster than me telling you in a whole sentence or taking that much time it's 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 a It's another coded language that the gods and the earths use amongst themselves, especially if they somewhere in they are in a hostile environment and they might need to communicate and not let other people know exactly what they're saying. But that's like any other nationality when you leave your country and you go to someone else's country, you don't speak their home language. So it's like just having a universal home language to differentiate who's God or who's on earth from the so-called 85%, that's the deaf, dumb, and blind sheep. Being a God is um, like, I'm not, from like the Marvel comics. I ain't running around with a big hammer and flying through the sky. But, you know, I've, I feel empowered in myself. I always have. I've, I've felt that empowerment from the first time I read them lessons as a child. I really felt it. It's kind of scary. That's why I don't really want it for my son right now. I'll wait till he, rather, rather he gets a little bit older. Yeah, it, it had me a little reckless in my speech. The way I spoke to people a lot, you know, because it take your confidence to another level as a young black child. So you might see a cop or see someone like try to, you know, just tear someone down and be like, you fucking black nigga. And for a kid, that's hurtful to see that. And you're black, too. And this is someone you probably went in the store and bought something from and said hello to every morning. You know, you had a certain type of respect for them. And then when you saw that nastiness come out for the first time and they really call someone a nigga and you know what that word means, it's talking about you and it's very hurtful, you know, you have a disdain for them. So once I was able to, you know, understand the power that was inside of me as far as just being able to acknowledge and realize that I am a god. I'm not a nigger. I'm not a porch monkey. I'm none of that. I'm the highest intellectual form of being on the planet Earth. Therefore, I choose my destiny. I'm the owner, the cream of the planet Earth. That's that's like a whole different vibe. It is. It's a whole different vibe. You're supposed to conduct yourself differently after you obtain knowledge yourself because you was living a savage and wicked life before that. You know, if you was a poisonous animal eater, you know, you fornicate in, uh, your actions are just poisonous to yourself and the people around you, you know. And when you come into the light and you have knowledge yourself, you know that your actions has consequences and you're responsible for those. So I think it will polish you up and your responsibilities for yourself and to whoever is in your cipher. You know, if your house is messy, whoever's in your house is messy too because they in mess, they in filth. But if your house is in order and you have people in your house, their aura is peace and calm, you know? So I think knowing that you're God, and you have to conduct yourself to the highest. That sets the ball. You know, it really sets the ball. I think a lot of things that go on in the streets these days could be avoided, you know, if a lot of people felt that type of power and energy about themselves, you know. Like, But it's still a lot of young guys out there that they have the knowledge. You know, it's just right now it's not the fad, you know. More, more the you know the gang banging and the gangster lifestyle is kind of like the fad. The only negative aspect that I see in the guards and earths is some of them wanting to hold on to the past for so long and so dearly is like your nation don't grow if you're still living in 1964. You got to get up to speed. I think if the guards was more active as far as just within the youth and culture. And not so much the money aspect of it, like the entertainers and the you know, the actors and the rappers. I'm talking about more ground roots, grassroots organized in the community, whether it's through the school or whether they just go outside and go to the parks and build with the young with, with the with the young and the old or whoever, you know. What you put out is what you ultimately receive. So we had a time where some of them just they remember the glory, you know. They remember just the excitement, the feeling in the streets. Because you know, I'm 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 not a spring chicken myself. So there's times I remember just times in New York. You know, when you hear a certain song, what you was doing, you know, and you you kind of don't ever want to lose that feeling. But at the same time, when you're talking about a nation of intellectuals, thinkers, uh, scientists, uh, doctors, lawyers, actors, rappers, like you have to catch up to speed. You can't be the only organization that's still in the 1960s and everybody else is in 2017. Seriously. you know. So that's the only negative aspect that I see in some of the gods on Earth are that the older ones don't want to let go of the past. They, they, they want to hold on to it for their life. Like, nah, we got to get past that. The gravitation towards my grandfather and the gravitation of the youth back towards the nation of gods and earths will be through the youth. It would be where it is imperative, it's paramount to have this knowledge, to just know about yourself, just to know about uh, what is being taught in these schools and the the, the perception that's in the media and and, and, and everyday television propaganda to just discredit the young black male or just make us look vile and savage and and inhumane and when they get to the point to where the young brothers want to be able to be articulate and just looked upon in 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 a different light you know not someone that's tearing down their communities but someone that's about uplifting the community and about uplifting people whether they're black or white you know, whatever race they are, if you're a civilized person, you will want the best for the for your neighbor, just like you would want the best for yourself. They don't have to look at, like you for you to treat them with decency and kindness. You know, and that's a universal truth. I think it would change when um when the youth is thirsty for this type of information, because if you look at television and radio. The culture that is being promoted is live fast, die young, be famous for no reason, and get a lot of money and do a lot of drugs. And they promote this, you know. So when the youth say, I don't want to be drugged out, I don't want to be famous for no reason, I want to be acknowledged for my gifts, my talents. That's when it's going to change because they want to be empowered. They don't want to be dumbed down. They want to be empowered with the knowledge that's at their fingertips. To be in the spotlight and to um, to have people's attention and to be able to speak about the nation or being able to teach lessons and um, spread the knowledge, yeah, I think it would make you a target, you know, because you're going against uh, the society norm, you know, because what we, what we taught is the polar opposite of the lessons. You know, like, you go to school, you taught Christopher Columbus discovered America, you taught... Uh, George Washington was the first president. You you taught white people history. That is a very short period of time in history. And I always found that weird too. Why y'all only teaching me the last three, 400 years like the earth is only 500 years old? The earth is old as hell. And life been carrying on before y'all got the right books. There was books before y'all what happened to those books what happened to that information and that knowledge so um yeah when you have a power vacuum when you have a a system that's structured to keep certain groups down and certain groups at top yeah you become a target but i think i think this thing and age, the information alone is more powerful than one person you know one person might be able to articulate the message to a mass of people better than, you know, others. But the lessons itself are there. That's why I, that's why I survived all this time and lasted that long. Because if you master them lessons and you walk out into the world, you're not the 85 that's walking around like stuck to their phone it's glued to the to the advertisement, glued to the billboards in Forty Second Street. You you're not being monitored. You're not on the grid. You living at a higher existence, cause you see it. It's like Neo in the Matrix. Like that movie was a real trippy movie for me, cause I just took it in like metaphor form, and that's what we live in. We live in a um, a society that's really not real, and it's propaganda, and we're just subject, subject to it. So it's up to you to wisen your dome, to not fall for the lies.